Thank you, Pastor David. It's really good to be with you this morning. You know, everyone does matter to God. Everyone in this room matters to God. You are known by your creator. You are loved far more than you could even imagine by the God who crafted and created you. You've been united through Christ back to your heavenly father. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. We've been made alive to God. We've looked at that over the past several weeks, just getting our minds around the love of God in our lives and what could be, what could happen if everyone believed this and lived this. As I think about my role here as a, as a pastor, one of my gifts is exhortation and that gift is all focused in taking God's word and calling people to be obedient to it. To to not only just believe it in a room like this, but to go outside this room and live it. And the reason I'm really excited about this series is because as I look at everyone in this room, I just see an incredible amount of potential to make a difference. Not just uh, with people in this room, but people outside of this room. I believe God has positioned Fellowship Bible Church to get our arms around this city and to be a part of his transforming power in this city. And I want to be a pastor who leads courageously. I don't want to have people just show up and be unchanged. I want to always be calling to you to what could happen if you not only believed it, but lived it apart from here. And so that's why we really designed this whole series of what could happen if everyone was engaged in a relationship with God, his word and his people. Because the reality is, as the scripture describes the church, is folks, we our family. That wasn't something the Pointer Sisters, in, in, you know, introduced it into our into our culture. We're family, and so look around you. Look at the person to your left and to the right, and say appropriately, "Hello, brother." Uh, "Hello, sister." Say that. Good. Welcome to Fellowship Baptist Church. <laughs> See, the Baptists get it. They realize that we're a family. That you're my brother and you're my sister in Christ. We've been related by the blood of Jesus. And folks, I believe that we are better together as a family than we are alone. I believe that my walk with Jesus is stronger because I have you in my life. And because I can follow Christ with you. I believe I'm sharpened because of you. You know, some of the worst heresies have happened when someone was alone and isolated and they heard from God and it didn't match with scripture, but they heard from God and everything changed and cults are formed like that. And we need each other to sharpen each other. I need you even to hold me accountable to God's word. So if I'm saying something you don't see in God's word, I need you to be able to say, hey, Joe, I heard it sounded nice, but I don't think it's in the Bible. And not every week do I want you to do that. But I mean, if I'm off. If I'm off, I'm stronger because of you. Secondly, I'm deeper. I have a deeper relationship with Jesus because I have surround sound in my life. You are my surround sound. You are people who are following Jesus through difficult times. And for me to see that, I'm deeper. I see people growing deeper. And that moves me to be deeper. Uh, I believe that our church has a wider influence because everyone in this room, you know what God is going to do in just a few minutes after we spend some time worshiping, he's going to scatter us 
And and with our influence all around this city and all around this region, think about if we all believed God and followed him, how many people we could reach. We're wider in reach because of it. And because we gather in the room, we look at the same scripture and I call you to the same obedience with everyone in this momentum happens. And when you grab onto the hand of God and you walk with him, look out what's going to happen. It actually moves beyond what any one of us could do. And so we're going to be looking throughout this series each week at three key realities. We're going to be looking at the reality of God's word. What is the truth of God's word? What does it say to us? What does it call us in the engagement like today of worship? Worshiping with your church family and worshiping with your heavenly father. What does the word teach on that? Because that's non-negotiable. That's what God's word says. We want to understand what that is. But then we want to look at the second reality. Is it happening here? Are we doing this? Are we following God's word? It's our reality. Never be afraid of reality, folks. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And then finally, we're going to craft a vision of what could happen if we, if everybody in this room believed it and followed the Lord as the scripture calls us. Incredible things can happen. And I'm excited. I'm, sometimes I'm going to be pinging off the ceiling. I'm so excited about this because I look at the potential of a room like this and the people God has placed in your lives and I see transformation about to happen if we'd simply believe God and follow him. So let's get into that first reality and that's the reality of God's word. And I'd like you to turn with me to a pivotal passage that the writer of Hebrews talks to us about in Hebrews chapter 10. And that's our connection with a local body of believers, our church family. And this has to do with two things. Your engagement in worship of your heavenly father and your church family, your family and your father. And so Hebrews is uh, setting us up for that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. And I'm going to read that. Would you follow along with me? It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now listen to this. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. Look at this, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's three phrases that I think the scriptures are calling us to right now in obedience. The first one is this. Let us draw near. Let us draw near to God. That's one thing you do in worship is you draw near to God. How can you draw near to God? Well, this passage says Jesus cleared the way. Jesus actually gave you the back page, backstage pass right up to the presence of God. He brings you right into the throne room. It was once reserved only for the high priest to represent the people. Now Jesus is our high priest. We can enter in. He's that one that gives us. There's nothing preventing us from access to God when we have Jesus. Your sin, Jesus took care of that. He forgives that sin 
and you have access. You love it when someone important wants to spend time with you. You do, and you clear your schedule for it. And, and it's something when, when you hear someone significant can say, Hey, I'd love to spend time with you. What happens with you? You get all excited. Yes, I'd love, you're coming through town. Awesome. Clear the schedule. Let's go make that time. God wants to spend time with you. And so he calls his children. He calls his family to draw near with him. He wants a relationship. He gives us our, his undivided attention. He wants us to be there. So when we worship, we draw near. We draw near to him. Secondly, it says, let us hold fast. Let us hope, hold fast to the hope, the confession of hope. Why? Because God is faithful. This is what, what the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews chapter 6, that this hope is an anchor to the soul. And it's, it's like God has the other end, folks. He's not budging. So this is not a casual grip that we have with God. It's not once in a while, whenever I need you, then I'll tug on that rope. It's not like a little bell for a servant to come down. It's a hope that when the torrent is around you and the storms are brewing, you're hanging on for dear life. And that is the hope you have with Jesus. You hang on. And that's what we do when we gather in worship. We hold fast to the hope that we profess. It's helpful for me to be with my family because as I teach, I know some of you are going through suffering right now. Far worse than I've ever experienced. Some of you are going through cancer treatment right now. And it has leveled you, but you're holding on to the hope. Some of you have lost your jobs or your companies are tanking. And you're holding on to the hope that even in the worst diagnosis, the worst business news, you're still trusting God. I need that. I need that. I need to see that around me because then I hope. I was talking with a man this week who had horrendous struggles in his life, but he held on to the hand of God. And he wonders, he wondered, what is, why am I going? I said, I got to see someone holding on to the hand of the Lord. And if that ever happens to me, I know someone did it before me. See, that, that builds confidence in our faith. That builds that hope. And we're called to celebrate the hope that we have in Christ when we gather together. And then this last one. Let us consider how we might stir one another up towards love and good works. And this is a picture of coming into an environment like this with a prepared mind. Not a distracted mind. Not a mind that's just overwhelmed with the details of life. You come in here prepared to stir one another up. Not neglecting meeting together, but present in this place, encouraging one another. And all because we realize that life right now is strategic. That until the day when Christ comes back and returns, we have his church, uh, the charge to be that family. Draw near, hold fast, consider how. And, and we do this. We do this when we gather. So I want to talk about the two environments we do this because worship takes place in an environment like this in the gathered church in your family and it takes place in a devoted church with your heavenly father on a daily basis. It happens weekly like it is now, right now. Thank you for being here. And it happens daily in your daily lives as you meet with the Lord. You need that. I need that. All of us need a daily time of worship. All of us need a dedicated weekly time with our church family. And what are the blessings of this? 
Well, there's several. First one is this, is that it says is, is we have a deeper faith. We, our faith grows, our confidence and our assurance grows as we spend time together. Look at what it says there. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Do you want your faith to kind of stagnate? Stay away from your father. Stay away from your family. But when you draw near, what happens? When you draw near and you engage God through worship in your daily life, as well as your time with your church family, faith grows. Secondly, hope grows. He says, let's, let us consider or let's, um, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. When you see the promises of a faithful God, guess what that gives us? Hope. Because there's people who've gone before us, who've gone through severe pain, severe struggle, severe suffering. See, if we don't understand the hope God gives us, we're going to redefine it. We're going to say, God just wants me to be happy. Just wants me to be happy. And when I don't have good happiness in my life, God's out to get me. And there are people who have lost a whole bunch who God was being glorified, even through their loss. And they held on to the hope that they had. It's a blessing to receive that hope when we gather together. And love, love, because it says, let's consider how we might stir one another up in love, how I might love you. You know, when you come home and you see a note from one of your kids, see, they thought about that. Whenever you walk into an environment and someone has prepared for you, I thought about this and I thought about you. What is that? How does that make you feel? That grows you in love. And we're called to do that. You want to not grow in love? Don't think about love. Don't think about loving someone. Be selfish. And you won't grow in love. We're called to consider how we might love one another. And then call each other to action. You see, that's what we do when we call everybody into this place. Is we call you not just to be changed here, but to go out and be a part of God's changing power outside of this place. Your action increases when you're called to a vision and called to the scriptures and you follow God in, in obedience and also encouragement happens. You know what? That's what I hear a lot about fellowship is you're such an encouraging church. And you know what? 12 years ago, when my wife and I moved here, that's one of the key reasons we moved here because fellowship was a loving, encouraging place. And it still is. It still is before me, after me, it's still this. That God is working in his people to encourage our believers. And when we join with our family, encouragement can deepen. This is the reality of God's word. Can I just ask you a question? Have you seen this in your own lives? And just do this if, if you have. Because that's the reality. When we're here with our family, do we really believe the word of God? Do we believe that, that we're called to draw near to God? To hold fast to him and the hope that we profess. And then to consider how. Do you really believe your faith will grow when you are in a place like this? And when you're meeting with the Lord on a daily basis? I honestly believe that. And we found that when people do that, they grow. They grow in all these areas. So what's our reality? And let's just move to that. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, never be afraid of reality. See this little band that I have here? This is called the Fitbit. 
And my wife bought it for me for my birthday because she knows I like gadgets. But I wanted to get in shape a little bit more and I wanted to be a little bit more active. And one of the things that the Fitbit shows me is how many steps I've taken each day. It shows me how well I slept at night. It just shows me a picture of reality. And you know what? I've, it, your activity is related to you being in shape. If you just want to be sedentary, you'll probably move right out of shape. If you want to just look at a screen all day, you're probably not going to be in the greatest of health. So I look at reality and it shows me where I'm at on my reality. And I've set a goal of 10,000 steps a day. That's been my goal. It's about five miles. And there'll be times where I go at night and I'm almost close to my my, my goal. So I'll go walking up my steps at my house just to get my 10,000. Cheryl Wise go, trying to reach your goal, right? Yes, I am. I'm kind of one of those OCD people to do that. There's other times when I get like a 3,000 step day and I'm like, oh, man. But you know what? Never be afraid of reality in your life. Never be afraid of the truth. Have you ever grown up in a family and never wanted to talk about some destructive things that are happening in a family? We don't talk about that. Why? Because we're Hishmas. We don't have problems like that. Other families struggle. We don't. No. When you go towards that way, when you ignore reality, you hit danger. And it's not healthy for your family. And so we want to speak the truth in love, as we're called to in the scriptures, but we always want to preach the truth. And I want to show you real quickly the patterns of our congregation. And we looked at one of our highest attended months in the year, and that's the month of January. I don't know if it has anything to do with um, New Year's resolutions. We got to get back into church. But we had no snow days in January. We weren't affected by the weather. But we did a little bit of analysis on people we could measure, and that was your children. We could measure your children on whether or not they were here and how often they were here throughout the month of January. Know what everyone's doing right now. You're going, what was I doing in January? And did they count me? Okay, let's relax because no one person is pointed out here. This is just us. This is our family. And as we look at that, 36% of our January church, and this the numbers play out even for adults on this, 36% came one time throughout the month of January. 27% of our congregation came two times throughout the month of January. 22% came three times and 15% came four times. Let's just cut this right in half right now. Because 63% of us came two times or less in the month of January. 37% of us, or one-third roughly, came three times or more. What does this say? We want to just understand this because the reality is is, um, two-thirds of us are staying away for the most part. We have kind of more of a casual relationship with our church family rather than an engaged relationship with our church family. And what does this mean? Can I just have, with with our children, one of the things we leverage with our children is full engagement. Everything we call an adult to here fellowship, we call your child to. So we call every child into a small group. And I'll tell you, my family has benefited because there's been another adult involved in my kids' lives besides me. I can think about for James. I can think about Curtis Clam, who developed in him through the mountain program. It used to be on Wednesday nights, then it went on the weekend. And you know what? My, there's, he stayed in my son's life throughout that, throughout junior high, even into senior high. Curtis Clam was there. He was another man living Christ. He's, his life is richer because of it. His faith is deeper because of it. I think of Jackson, my middle son. I think about Todd Reeves. 
And uh, I, I remember Todd building into Jackson. He was affectionately known as Sasquatch. This big guy building into this little kid. And he loved him and he shared Christ with him. I think about Nathan, Bill Wagemakers, built into him from first grade all the way through sixth grade. And now in seventh grade, he's leading a group at Reverb, our student ministry. And he started with Nathan. Nathan's serving the Lord with Bill Wagemaker as they start over with first graders. Okay? This is a dream scenario, but it requires my kids being here to experience. Those relationships require presence. And so we can't do... With kids, what we want to do, if you're not here, most of the time. Now, I understand, you're all here. God bless you. God bless you. And no, I'm not preaching to people who aren't here. These are just, we're going to do this every week this month so that we reach everyone with these messages. But the reality is, what we want to do takes your presence. As an adult... Do you miss out? Do we miss out when you're not here? Yes. Yes. We call people to a vision. You can't hear that vision if you're not here. Well, I could do it online, Joe, because I watch you online. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. But you miss out on the love and good works angle of it, on the encouragement, on the contact, on the relationships that we want to build in a place like this. We want people to be engaged. And let me just ask a quick question from a parenting perspective. Are you okay with anything your children do with a two-thirds absentee rate? Would you put up with that if all of a sudden we said, it's okay to educate your kids if they only come one-third of the time to school? You would flip out. You would write a letter to the president if that happened. Because, no, no, our kids need more time with instruction, with education. Our kids need more time away from me and with a teacher or something like that. We we long for that. Would you be okay if you were in a soccer league and they said, hey, folks, just come in whenever you can to practice? Would your coach put up with that? Would you put up with it? So we don't put up with it in anything that's important in our lives. Why do we put up with it? with this reality in our own church family. Folks, there's got to be a better way. And, And can I just say this? I love sports. I do. And I love it when my kids are excelling in sports. I just, I mean, I love it that my kids have been active and involved in sports. But they aren't the most important things to our families. And you know what? The number one age a child leaves or a person leaves the church is age 16. And it's because they don't have relationships in that church. We make decisions as adults based on the relationships we keep, not on obligations, shame or guilt. No, this is not about shame and guilt. This is about a priority for relationship of engagement with your church family. So we don't put up with it. Why is this so? Have you ever asked that question? Why is it so in your life? If that's a reality, why is this? Well, I make three calls a week as a pastor, not the only calls, but three intentional calls. And the first one is usually to someone new, and I like to welcome them to the church. The second one is to someone I see God using in a great and powerful way. And I like to just encourage them and thank the Lord for them and pray for them. And the third one is for someone I haven't seen in a while. 
And I called just to try to reconnect. I haven't seen you. And sometimes it's, I've been there every week. And I go, well, I'm sorry, four services, everyone does that. I just haven't seen you. But a lot of other times they say, you know, I know I should be there at my church family. It's just that and they're distracted. They're distracted. Something comes up. Sports get in the way. Recitals get in the way. Dance thing gets in the way. Uh, vacations get in the way. All this kind of stuff. And, and it's just, we're distracted. We're busy. And when we're busy, we get hurried. And when you get hurried, guess what? Relationships suffer. Because you're just chasing kids. You're chasing the next event. And we live in an environment that's so easy to get distracted in so easily. There are far more options for us to be involved in. When I was growing up, it was Little League or not Little League. And that's, that was your option as a family. Now there's this group. Now there's select that group. Now there's national that group. And we just, I mean, I don't know if we just feel more fulfilled when our, we're pushing our kids to experience every option they can but without the priority of a church family. Distraction could be that reason. Disappointment can be another. You go through life and life has been a disappointment to you. You feel distant from God and therefore, since you feel distant from God, you don't want to be around your church family. There can also be disappointment with your church and some of the decisions we've made around here that you have not agreed with. And so you voted with your feet. I'm disappointed. I will punish you by staying away. And you know what? That's going to happen from time to time. I'm not a perfect leader, and our leadership here is never perfect in everything we do. And you may disagree with some stuff. But have you taken steps in a family to resolve that? See, the depth of our love as a family is our ability to navigate through conflict with the truth and love. And, And have you searched that out? Have you called one of our staffers or someone of our leaders and gone, hey, I just don't understand this. Rather than accusing, just, I don't understand this. Help me understand that. See, disappointment can keep you away so you don't draw near and you aren't in an environment that calls you to hold fast. And you certainly don't engage in an environment like this to consider how you might stir up one another in love and good deeds. You think how you can view this more cynically and um, critically. Others of us just feel a distance. And so we stay away. And I've heard this. We're too big. We're too big. I don't like how big we are. I can go there and no one will know that I'm there or not. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes because I don't keep attendance here. And I'm not going to call you if it, I, you're not here this past week. What, what was the problem? And there was a time when we were 100. And Jim Turner's in the back there. If he didn't see you, he'd call you. How'd you like that? <laughs> didn't see you this week. But you know what? We could keep track of people better. And here's what I'm going to call you into this month. Get engaged. Because you will be missed if you're engaged. We're not going to be a church family that watches things happen. We're going to be a church family that's engaged in what's happening here. And it requires you to engage the priority of a church family. And then the fourth thing is just plain disobedience. Not just disobedience to Hebrews chapter 10, where I'm neglecting the meeting of my, uh, you know, of, of, of my, with my church family, as some are in the habit of doing, but also disobedience to God. I found that when you want to go live your life your own way without the authority of God's scripture, you tend to stay away from the family of God and go and live life however you want to. 
when I preach about something or even when I counsel with people and it disagree, they disagree with the word of God in their lives. And they'll, they'll go, man, I didn't like what you said that week and I'm never coming back. You know, folks, hang with me. There's things in God's word that my life doesn't line up with. They're going to convict me. We have to have that openness and humility of heart that even if our life doesn't match up to the word of God, we're still holding fast to the hope that we profess. We're still, none of us is perfect in this mix. And can I just tell you another thing? I want my worst enemy here. I do. Because this is a place when we go to the scriptures and we're called to draw near to Jesus in worship. We're called to hold fast to the hope that we profess. And we're called to consider how we might stir up one another. I want even my enemies to know that. You all go, well, they ought to, we ought to dress up to come to this place. No, we come as we are. And we recognize that it's all through Jesus that we come through here. And so when, when you look at someone and go, well, I know what's going on in their life and they're in my church. Yes, thank the Lord they're in your church. They're hearing the good news of the gospel. They're hearing the teaching of the word. This is a place that disobedience, we're going to be called to obedience. But don't let the events of your week, sometimes when you have the worst week of your life, you need your church family more than ever so that you can draw near again and confess your sins and return back to God. That's our reality. So what could happen if everyone in this room engaged God through worship with your family and with your heavenly father? Well, let me just tell you this. Everyone in in this room can. Everyone in this room is able to engage your church family and your heavenly father because of Jesus and his importance in your life. He's the one who restored you back to God. And he's the one who restores you back into a community of his family. Every one of us can. And you saw from the scriptures what we're called into. You see the purpose of this whole thing of gathering together, of getting some time with a, with your heavenly father on a daily basis. And so you know that the whole purpose of why we get together is so that we will draw near and hold fast and consider how. And if you believe this, you can follow this. There's a pattern. The scripture gives a very practical teaching of what we can do when we worship. And when you know why you worship, what just follows it? What you do, how you do that, that all follows if, you, if you're purposed in the right direction. Secondly, you got to have a priority. That's why I'm just encouraging you. There needs to be a defining moment if you have a family or if you're a single person or a young married. That, that you say, worship's going to win in my life. It's going to win in my week. It's going to win in my day. I've made that commitment to do that. Now you go, Joe, you're paid to be here. Yes, but when I'm away from here, I've made that commitment that every day worship will win in my life. It's the first thing I do. I wake up like I was this morning. Unbelievable morning to open up the word. I was out on my back deck listening listening to birds chirping. And in Proverbs chapter 14, as the journal has directed me to go there. And I just see so much. Like like one verse in Proverbs 14 that says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in, in the end, it leads to his death. Man, I need to hear that because I need God's wisdom, God's thinking in my life, not my thinking in my life. See that? That worship's going to win in my life. 
And my family even sees that. They walk by a chair if it's inclement weather outside or they walk and they see dad worshiping. It's a priority. And you need to make it a priority in your life about being with your church family or weekly or daily with your heavenly father. That means of all the things that I'm concerned with. And if it gets down to this, where it's sports or worship, worship wins. And you know what? We're the easiest church to go to. We have Saturday evening services at 5 o'clock and 6.45. We have Sunday morning services at 9.15 and 11. I say the same thing for the most part in all four. We sing the same songs. You don't miss. You don't miss. It's an easy place so that worship can win in your lives. It can be that priority if you want it to be. It's not many times an issue of you knowing what's right. It's an issue of us doing what's right. It's that will to make it a priority. And then finally, you got to develop a plan. What are you going to do? How are you going to do that? Where are you going to meet for worship? And, and, and this, is, this is pretty much defined on a weekly basis. But on a daily basis, you need to plan. You need to develop a plan. This is where I'm going to meet with the Lord. This is what time I'm going to meet with the Lord. This is what I'm going to be doing. You know, we make that pretty simple for you here because we've given out almost 2000 copies of the journal and, and we give you a chart through the scriptures. You don't have to figure out, you don't have to play Bible horoscope with God. Okay. Each day you can get into the word and what something happens when 2000 people study the same passage and the Holy spirit is directing that process. He teaches something to each of us and he calls us to apply the same passage. That's where you get momentum with your church family. I understand some people will go, well, I don't like the church telling me what to do. Sorry, I go Southern with that. <laughs> and all I can say is, well, what is working for you? Because when I've asked the follow-up questions as, are you meeting with the Lord on a daily basis? Are you meeting with your heavenly father? They go, no, but I just don't want the church telling me what to do. Well, how's that working for you? It's not because you have not drawn near. You've stayed away and you've, you've not held fast. You kind of are loosey with it. And, and you're not considering how you're considering what God can do for you today. Folks, that's not biblical. It may be normal, but it's not godly. Those things I shared with you on, on our church, those are normal. That's normal in the American church. A 100 or 2,000 each weekend, that's normal, but it's not godly. And we're always going to call you to the scripture. We're always going to call you to more of God. So here's a practical way you can make a commitment. You can engage your church family and your heavenly father. First of all, shoot for four times a week and hit three times, not four times a week, four times a month and hit three times a month. So just make it part of your routine. Our family will worship with our church family every week. Make that your goal. And then when you have vacation, then when you have the soccer tournament that you must absolutely have to go to, your kids are still getting more rather than less than one third of what they could get. You shoot for four times because it's your routine as a family. Just make that commitment. Secondly, with your heavenly father, aim Aim for seven times a week, once a day, and hit five times. 
Something happens at five that doesn't happen at four when you're in God's, God's word. And all the experts will tell you, if you can get people, if you can read the word of God and meet with the Lord five times a week, there's a huge difference in how you live your life, in what your mind is focused on, and how you're consumed or not consumed by God. It makes a difference. So we can have truth and we can have grace in these, in these callings. And when we call you to this, aim. Aim for all, hit those. Hit three times a month, hit five times, at least five times a week. We're not trying to make you feel self-righteous when you hit them. We just found that those blessings we talked about when we gather together with our Heavenly Father and our church family, they just happen more often in our lives. So, do you see it? Do you see it? Folks, some of you say, well, if this happened... Could we handle it here at Fellowship? I mean, we're already kind of pushing the walls out on some of our services. Here's our services. These are our numbers. That bottom line is our capacity in this room. The top line is our reality of what our averages are. You can see our 645 service. If you'd like to move to that, you can do that. That can triple in size and and we won't fill the capacity of this room. But look at the other ones. Yes, we can do that right now without building the new building. Everyone could be more regular in meeting with their church family and we could handle it. We could handle it. And on top of that, we've created this luxurious new parking lot out here for you to park in. You won't park on the grass. Everyone will have a space. We can accommodate you if you made this commitment. No problem. And when you lead your friends to Christ and you invite them to engage here, then we're going to build that building. See, everything falls. We're ready for this if you, if everyone engaged God in worship. We always want to be that church of if everyone decided to follow the Lord, how would we lead them? That's what we want to be. And that's what we're calling you to. And so, do you see it clearly from the word today? To draw near, to hold fast, to consider how? Have you seen that it really involves every one of us can do it if we have the right purpose if we commit to the right priority, and if we develop a a practical plan for each of us. So here's the commitment. It's called a commitment of presence to meet with your heavenly father and your church family. And that's why I'm calling everyone throughout this month to say, I will engage my church family weekly. I'll draw near, I'll hold fast, I'll consider how. This won't be the last on my list. This will be the first. And in our family things, we're going to do this. Worship will win each week. Secondly, I'll engage my heavenly father daily. And I will consider, I will draw near to him. I will look for the hope he gives me through his promises. And I will consider how I might be an influencer of his word with everyone in my life. Think about what your family could look like. Think what your place of work could look like. Think about what your neighborhood could look like if all of us engaged God in worship. Transformation, folks. Every one of us can if we engage God through worship. Commit to the presence of God with your church family and with your time with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we are so thankful that with Jesus we can draw near. We can hold fast to the hope that we profess because you're faithful and you through your Holy Spirit 
can move in our minds so that we might consider how we might stir one another up towards love and good works. Lord, if everyone believed this, and if every one of us engaged you in worship daily and our church family on a weekly basis, Lord, things would be different. Transformation would happen. And we thank you for the opportunity to do that today. Thank you for each person you gathered in your family today. And now as we celebrate what you have done for us, may we rest in you, our Heavenly Father. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.